but you want me alone Baby, I'm acting, you held me up when I was down and out But I don't want you waiting Welcome, welcome, welcome. I want to welcome you to yet another episode of the Unpopular Podcast. It's your boy, Jalen. And if you would do me a favor, please subscribe to wherever you're watching or listening to this. It would definitely mean a lot. And if you can, please leave me a review or comment on the episode or whatever. Just just, just leave something. So I appreciate it. But where we'll start is the biggest news that happened in the NFL last. Well, it actually happened Saturday. And we're going to start with that. Usually NFL trades don't happen on a Saturday. They usually happen close to a Friday or they usually happen in the middle of the in the middle of the week. So it gives teams time to prepare. It gives, you know, teams time to have press conferences, this that, and the third. But this happened on a Saturday. And what am I talking about? Matthew Stafford was traded from the Detroit Lions to the Rams for Jared Goff and two first round picks. Now on the surface, this looks like, wow, this that's a blockbuster trade, which it is. But there is so much more to this trade than just Matthew Stafford going to the Rams and Jared Goff going to the Lions. Here's the first thing. This trade had everything to do. Well, here's here's the thing. First, you know that the Rams wanted so desperately to get off of Jared Goff because one, I don't know if you remember, but it cost the Rams six picks to move up to get Jared Goff. And then it also cost, no, yeah, six or seven picks to move up to get Jared Goff. Now it costs two picks along with him to get him off. So what I'm saying is this. It cost the Rams nine total picks just for Jared Goff in general. Now, the Rams thought that they were getting a player that could be transcendent. They thought that they were getting a franchise player, but Jared Goff just hasn't been that. Now, I'm not saying he's terrible, but Jared Goff has shown that in the biggest moments, he has not been able to produce. Now, a lot of people ask, why did Jared Goff get traded? What I mean, he's only been in the league, what, two, three years? Why did he get traded? It's not, And, and people want to point to, well, they did lose to the Jets. Uh, they did lose t- some nail biters in, that they shouldn't have lost. That's that's not it at all. Now I will say this: losing to the Jets didn't didn't help their case at all. What what happens is you have to look at who's in the division. You know, you have to look at are you are you able to stay afloat in your division? Let's look at the NFC East for example. Look at the NFC East. You got the Washington football team. You got the Cowboys. You got the Eagles. You got the 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 New York Jet Giants. While yes, the teams want to be, you know, they want to be relevant. They want to be able to fend for a championship, fend for a title. The last thing you want to be is the worst in your division, because at that point. It's not just the NFC East. It's, it's any division. You don't want to be pretty much the the butt of the division. Let's look at look at another division. Look at uh, the AFC. Let's look at the AFC North. You got the Ravens. You got the Browns. You got the Bengals, and you got the Steelers. The Browns have been the butt of that. The Browns and the Bengals have been the butt of that of that division for ever. 
And that's the last thing that you want to do. So let's go back to the Rams. The Rams sit in a, in one of the most, when, when everyone's healthy, they sit in one of the most competitive divisions in the league. You got the Seahawks, Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, uh, Chris Carson. You got that deep, you got, you know, Bobby Wagner, now Jamal Adams. You got the, the, the 49ers. You got Kyle Shanahan. You got Jimmy G. You got Nick Bosa. You got Fred uh, Wagner. Like, and then you have, of course, the Rams. If you look on paper, the Rams should be the best in that division. You know, you had Jared Goff. You have uh, Tyler Higby, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods. On the defense, you have, like I said, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. You have the best talent in that division. However, everyone, when you lose, when you lose to a Nick Bullens in the 49ers, when even though you did win twice, but if you lose to a Seahawks, that hurts more than losing to a Jets. I understand the Jets didn't have a win at the time, but that hurts more because you're losing in division. And that, to me, is why they pulled the trigger. They 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 pre- they were pretty much done with Jared Goff. When you look at that division, they didn't really have. To me, they should have been better than they were. They should they should have played a lot further than what the the for, you know the second round the the divisional round of the playoffs. And that is why I believe they traded Jared Goff. Now, if you still don't believe me, if you if you still think you know it's because Matthew Stafford is such a great player, which which we'll talk about Matthew Stafford in a second. The last thing a team wants to do, the last thing, no, it's not trade your franchise player. No, it's not. Uh, <laughs> It's not changing name. The last thing a team wants to do is have dead cap money because you can't use it. And in fact, you're losing money. Like there's no, there's no way you're going to get it back. There's no way you can fill it up with another contract. Dead cap money is the worst thing that teams want to do. And you know that the Rams wanted to get off of Jared Goff because he cost them. 22 million in dead cap money. Now, a lot of people think, well, it's, I mean, you still get Matthew Stafford. I don't care. Patrick Mahomes would not be worth 22 million dead cap money to any owner. That's how much they wanted to get off of Jared Goff. Now, we've probably seen the last of Jared Goff unless you watch football on Thanksgiving because the Lions. I mean, the Lions aren't good, and the Lions, they're never really on TV unless you live in that part of the, the world or that part of the United States or you're watching on Thanksgiving, which is pretty much their Super Bowl. It, you know, the and again, Jared Goff is not bad. It's just he has shown that in the biggest moments, he is not able to carry a team to victories. He's not able to be the best player on the team. Now let's look on it. Th- let's look at this trade through Matthew Stafford's eyes. A lot of people are saying, you know, Matthew Stafford, you know, he is he's a transcendent player that you know finally gets a team. You know, he's this, that, and third. His arm talent is crazy. His aggregate, you know, here's 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 what I'll say about Matthew Stafford. 
Matthew Stafford is a great player. He has great arm talent. He His accuracy is great. And he's still young. He's only, what, 32, I believe. But here's we have to be real about Matthew Stafford. I understand that, you know, the team around him wasn't the best. I get that. Like, it's the, it's the Detroit Lions. I understand that. But he's been in the league, what, 12, 13 years? And has never, and I mean never, won a playoff game. And I, I did an episode a while back, and I said that Matthew Stafford reminded me of Blake Griffin. Because Blake Griffin, as we know, deals with injuries a lot. Like, a whole hell of a lot. Matthew Stafford has been injured damn near every year since he came into the league. Now, the difference between Blake Griffin and Matthew Stafford is Blake Griffin usually misses time. Matthew Stafford, I think, has only missed like eight games his entire career. But even still, he has been injured. And he he gets injuries like... Like... (laughs) like fish drink water like it's just I don't this we know this the Rams made this move for now because you trade away two first round picks you already lost a lot of first round picks to get Jared Goff but now that you trade him away you traded two more first round picks so you don't have a first round pick in the next what three four years and of course Matthew Stafford is older than Jared Goff but you're, you made this move for right now. You made this move because you have Robert Woods. You have Cooper Cup. You have Cam Akers as a running back. You have Tyler Higby. You have Everest. You have Aaron Donald. You have Jalen Ramsey. You have all this talent. You're, you want to win now. Now, will I, say that Pat, will I say that the Rams are Super Bowl contenders? I think they're good enough on paper as a roster to make the Super Bowl. And I think that's, well, they they did this move hoping that Matthew Stafford can put them over the top, especially with this roster. Do I think that they should be Super Bowl favorites? No. I don't think even as good as Matthew Stafford can be, I don't think that he, I mean, again, he's never won a playoff game. And again, you can say he was in the Lions, but there were a couple years he had he had Megatron. There were a couple years he had a top five defense. Well, no. There was maybe two years he had a top ten defense. And I think he went 11-5 and five one of those years and lost in the playoffs. So, Matthew Stafford's never won a playoff game. In fact, you can even go back to when he played in Georgia and he didn't even win the SEC with A.J. Green on his team. So, I'm not saying Matthew Stafford's bad. Don't hear me say that. I'm not saying that he's not a good player. I'm not saying that it was a bad trade. What I'm saying is I understand why this trade was made, and I think Matthew Stafford understands why this trade was made, and Jared Goff probably understands why this trade was made. On Jared Goff's side, it was made because he has not shown that he can be a franchise player. He has not shown – well, on a team that loaded and a team that costs that much money – you shouldn't be the third best team in your division, especially when you see the problems that the the Seahawks are going through with their offense and their defense. Or if you look this year, you see the problems that the 49ers are going through with, is Jimmy G the quarterback? Is he not? All the injuries. And you you should be clear-cut. Hell, if you even look in the NFC in general, 
you should your roster is better than the Green Bay Packers roster. Your roster on paper is neck to, neck and neck with the Saints roster. Your roster on paper is neck and neck with the Tampa Bay with the Tampa Bay roster. However, when we look at all those teams, we don't think that the Rams sh- are even close to that. And I think that was that was a sole testament of uh Jared Goff because we look everyone says that J- Sean McDermott is one of the best quarterback, I mean best coaches in the league. Everyone says that the Rams have one of the some one of the best defenses in the league. The, everyone says the Rams have one of the best offenses in the league. Who's the common denominator though? Jared Goff is is not doing it. And on Matthew Stafford's side, hell, he already said he wanted out. You know, he didn't want to be the Lions for the rebuild. So he already said he wanted out. And it's, it's kind of crazy, which we'll talk about in a second. He said, he'll you just trade me anywhere that, you know, gives me a chance to win. Just don't trade me to the Patriots, which is crazy. But the Rams made this move because they feel that Matthew Stafford can take them over the top. And if you look at the talent that Matthew Stafford holds, he can't, he should be able to take them over the top. Again, I'm not, I'm not yet, I'm not here. To, I, I can't put them over, you know, the Packers yet. I can't put them over the Saints yet, even though, you know, we need to know was the quarterback option or was, was, what's going to happen with the quarterback with the Saints. I, I can't even, I can't put them over Patrick Mahomes in the, in the Chiefs. I can't put them over Josh Allen in the Bills. Hell, I'm struggling when to put them over the Ravens right now, but the Rams made this move for right now. They went all in like they usually do. They went all in a couple years ago when they got Todd Gurley and all those pieces. They are going all in, and they think that Matthew Stafford is the player to get them over the top. So, you know, I'm not going to say winners or losers yet because we need to see. We need to see how Jared Goff does. Maybe it was just a new scenario. You know, maybe with the new coaching staff and new coordinators, he'll be able to blossom in Detroit. And then, of course, we need to see if this move will pay off for the Lions. I mean, for the for the Rams. Like I said, you you make this move to get to the playoffs. I mean, to get to the championship, not the playoffs. No, you make this move to get to the Super Bowl. And if that doesn't happen, or if you don't come close, or if you don't get further next year than you did this year, then you'll start looking like, well, did we make the wrong decision? So, and again, Matthew Stafford is talented enough to, you know, is talented enough, especially with the weapons around him, to make it to the Super Bowl, especially in the NFC. We'll just have to see. We'll just have to see. But I did think it was funny that Matthew Stafford said, you can trade me anywhere that, you know, gives me a best chance to win. Just don't trade me to New England. Now, I took this a a couple ways. I think this was don't send me to a place with Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia just just wasted, what, two, three years of my career. Don't take me to a place – or don't trade me to a place that has Josh Josh McDaniels, who had he he accepted the job at five o'clock on Friday. At five oh five, he called and said, "Never mind, I'm gonna stay where I'm at. Don't trade me to that." Then I also think you know he looks at the he looks at the 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 New England Patriots and he says, "Well, hmm, 
I see that you are, you don't have like even if you trade into the Patriots and even if you know all the players that opted out due to COVID comes back, which was on the defensive side of the ball. There's not too much talent. You got Jacoby Myers. You got the kill, no separation, Harry. You got, you know, I don't even know their tight end. And what, Damian Harris, I believe, is their running back? Like, that's not going to win you anything. And, of course, we always say, you know, what about the the New York, the New England Patriots way? What about Bill Belichick way? No. It was Tom Brady was making the best out of all of them. Now, I'm not saying Bill Belichick's a bad coach. What I'm saying is, as we've seen, if – it don't matter how good of a coach you are. If you don't have talent around a quarterback, you're you're strapped. And that's, you know, it is what it is. So, but yeah, Matthew Stafford to the Rams for Jared Goff and two first-round picks. So, moving forward, this is Black History Month. And, you know, I'm black, clearly. And one thing that we know in sports is I think one of the hardest things in general in sports is a black man or black woman getting a head coaching job. You know, we hear about candidate, we hear about coaching. There were seven, let's say this. There were seven, let's just talk about this year. There were seven head coaching positions that were open. You had the Jets, you had the Eagles, you had the the Jaguars, you had what the you had, you had a plethora of head coaching positions and only two, which were the Jets and now the, the Texans, uh, were filled by people of a different ethnicity than Caucasian. And only one of those jobs, which were the Texans, only went or went to an African-American, which is David Cully. Now, I feel, here's the thing, being an African-American, especially trying to get a coaching job, you root for all African-Americans. I root for all African-Americans, but definitely trying to get a coaching job, because as we know, and as we've seen, there don't 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 you can throw Mike Tomlin out because that is an anomaly. If you look at all the African American positions, they put you in it. You're not really put in a position where you have the quarterback, or you have the defense, or you have the offense, or you have an elite unit. You're usually put in a rebuilding situation. You usually put in a situation where you don't know what's going to happen next. You usually put in a lose-lose situation or usually put in a position where there's turmoil around. So when you look, for instance, let's look at Marvin Lewis, right? Marvin Lewis went to the Bengals. The Bengals, who haven't been good before or after he's left. Now, yeah, I know you have Joe Joe uh, Burrow now, but they haven't been good since before and after Marvin Lewis has left. Now, Marvin Lewis went to the playoffs seven years in a row. Now, yes, he didn't win a playoff game. I understand that. And I'm not absolving him for not winning a playoff game. 
But he went to the playoffs seven years in a row with the Bengals, who, by the way, in his tenure, had a below-average offense. Yes, you had A.J. Green or healthy A.J. Green. Yes, you had Carson Palmer. Yes, you had, you know, some some great players. But the offense wasn't something to snuff at, and their defense most definitely wasn't something to snuff at. But he got them to the playoffs eight I mean, seven times, seven years in a row. Again, I understand he didn't win, but seven years in a row. He still gets fired. Still. Look at, uh, I don't, Shannon Sharp said homie's name. I totally forgot, but he used to, he said it today, actually, or yesterday. Look at the Arizona, the, the black Arizona coach. Arizona, before Kyler Murray, didn't have much of anything. He gets fired, and now he is the assistant coach for, like, Arizona State or something. Hell, you can look at the college ranks. Yeah, and, and Lovey, Smith's, or, yeah, Lovey Smith is gone from Illinois. Uh, you don't really have too many black coaches in any sport or any level. So let's go back to David Culley. And David Culley is what they like to refer to as a football guy. I think he has been at 14 different positions, whether college or NFL. He's been a quarterback coach. He's been an assistant or offensive coordinator. He's been a tight ends coach. Like, he's been so many. He's been in so many positions. He's been at 14, I believe. 14 positions, both in college and NFL. And I think, I could be wrong, I think he's 65 years old or 60, yeah, 65, I believe. And then boom, at 65, you finally get the, the, the job that you've been waiting for, a head coaching position. Of course you're going to take it. Because like I said, everybody's dream, I don't care where you are, everybody's dream. Not just black, white, everyone's dream from the assistant coach to the quarterback coach to the special teams coach, everybody's dream is to be a head coach. And it's just unfortunate that it takes longer for African-Americans than a lot of other. But look at, for instance, look at Eric Bieniemy. Eric Bien- everyone has been saying for the past few years that Eric Bieniemy is prime for a head coaching job. Eric Bieniemy unlocked the Kansas City Chiefs offense with Patrick Mahomes, and everyone has been saying that he is a lock. He should be a lock for a head coaching job, especially seeing that there were seven available. And then you hear reports that he he <laughs> he interviewed bad, right? He interviewed bad. I don't know how the hell you can interview bad when all you're doing is introducing yourself, telling you what your plans are for the franchise, saying how you're going to improve the franchise, some plays you want to implement. I don't understand how you can interview bad. But let's just say he did interview bad. Let's just say he didn't have the greatest interview. I don't know if you saw the the press conference for the Lions' new coach 
or the 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 press conference introducing the Eagles' new coach. But there's no way in heaven or hell you can tell me that Eric Bieniemy did worse than what we heard from the Lions' new head coach or the Eagles' new head coach. Yet and still, Eric Bieniemy at this point and probably going into next year will be an assistant coach or offensive coordinator again. But I grow, I digress. Let's get back to David Cully, right? I'm happy for David Cully. I wish nothing but the best for David Cully. African-American, a football guy, has been 14 different places. Hell, I don't even think there's 14 positions at a regular job. And he, he 14 different, you know, he went from college to, back, to, to NFL, kept going back and forth. I wish nothing but success for David Cully. But with that being said, I feel horrible that the only job he could get is the Texans job. And here's why. The same day that David Culley was announced as the head coach, a couple hours later, Deshaun Watson requested a trade from the team. Deshaun Watson, who is a once in a generational player, who is most definitely a top five quarterback in this league, a top five player in this league, requested a trade. Yet and still, and it, it's it goes deeper than Deshaun Watson wanting to trade. You have J.J. Watt, who was a staple in Houston, pretty much saying, and I understand, you know, cap stipulations, I understand that, but he's pretty much saying he, you know, reporters saying he probably wants out. There's a, this is yet another instance of a, an African-American accepting the only job that was offered to him, yet he's not set up to win. Because think about it. What happens if you trade Deshaun Watson? You're not, you're not going to get equal value. You're going to hope to get close, but you're not going to get equal value. Then, then you got, you know, you, and then I, David Cully went in and said, you know, I'm here because I know that the organization is going to have Deshaun Watson. I'm here because Deshaun Watson. I'm here because I know that Deshaun Watson is our guy and we're going to move forward. That tells me, tells me a lot of things. Deshaun Watson's upset because the organization lied to him. The organization told him that you are going to have input on our head coach and our GM. Now that 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 used that power usually is not given to players in the NFL because players can get traded left and right. We all know the NFL is about protecting the shield, meaning usually protecting the higher ups. But and and, and that 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 level of power you usually see in the NBA is not really seen in the NFL. But we've seen that the Houston Texans cannot get it right. We've seen that their the head coaching positions have have been god awful, and we've seen their GM choices have been god awful. Hell, we don't need to talk about Bill O'Brien. But when the organization comes to you, the the franchise player, the best player on the team, and says, "We're going to give you input on the GM." And the head coach. Of course, you're not going to make the final decision, but we're going to give you that input. Then you turn around and don't even listen to him. Don't even accept what he's offering. 
he gives you a list of players or gives you a list of coaches and GMs and you don't even you don't even consider them. And the only reason why you you interview African American and kind of kind of hire David Cully is in hopes that because he's African American, that's gonna sway Deshaun Watson to come or to to want to stay. That is that's that's as deceitful as deceitful gets. So you lied to Sean Watson, and now we're kind of seeing that you lied to David Cully and said that we're going to keep, you know, there's no way in heaven or hell Deshaun Watson is going could be out. Uh, there's no way in heaven or hell we're not going to start the season without Deshaun Watson. Yet and still, everything has said Deshaun Watson is not going to be here. So not only are you lying to your players, you're lying to your new head coach. You see where I'm you see where I'm getting at when I when when I say that I feel bad for David Cully for being in getting I'm not gonna say getting thrown in the situation because again he he fought his entire life to be a head coach in the NFL and he's finally getting that position. So on one hand, like I said, I'm happy for him. I want nothing but the best. But on another hand, I'm seeing he's not they're putting him in the worst he took he was offered and took the worst head coaching position arguably in the NFL because there's so much turmoil around Houston right now and there's so much unknowns is Deshaun Watson going to be there what is your staff going to look like what is your uh, is JJ Watt your your franchise or your franchise defensive player is he going to be there like there's so many there's so many unknowns how do you expect to win like that how do you expect David Cully to change an organization to change a franchise yet and still there's so many unknowns and you know what's going to happen. We all know what's going to happen because we've seen it. They're going to struggle. The Texans are going to struggle. And instead of looking themselves in the mirror and realizing that they, as an organization, is the reason, they're going to blame it on David Cully. He's probably going to, if he, unless he just has a miracle season, he's probably going to get two to three years. I'll say two. And if he can't, because I don't think Deshaun Watts is going to be there. I don't think J.J. Watts is going to be there. And I think you're going to see a lot more turmoil because of the ownership in the front. Not not because of David Cully, but because the people above him. They're going to give him about two years, and they're going to blame him. And he's going to get fired. And what's going to happen? He's going he's gonna to go back to being an assistant coach or or a, a quarterback coach, because he was a quarterback coach for the Ravens before he got this job, a quarterback coach or whatever. And then it's going to be, you know, we're going to hear bubble rumbles, you know, maybe Eric Bieniemy, uh or another African-American candidate. They're going to interview for the job and not get it. We know how this goes. So again, in one hand, I'm happy for David Cully, you know, finally living or finally getting that dream and, and, and being a head coach of an NFL football team, especially seeing as though you've done 14 different jobs, both college and NFL. But on the other hand, I know what's happening. Everyone can see it. Everyone should see it. He's, they're not, they haven't set him up for success. Seeing as though you're going to a franchise where you think 
or you're told, let's say, you're told that Deshaun Watson is going to be there for you and you're going to be able to build around him. To get the job and now realize, wait, you might have been lying to me. And, of course, they're going to blame him and not the org. You can't blame the GM. I mean, you can't blame... You can't. You're not going to blame the GM because he's new, and of course he's another Patriots guy. And you're not going to blame the owner because I mean he owns the team. You're going to blame the black head coach. Two years tops, unfortunately. And and a lot of people's like, well, Deshaun Watson. Now you have a black coach. You should stay, or you you know you can't throw my man's under the bus. Look, bro, Deshaun Watson. Stand, do what Andre Johnson say. Stand pat, and because again, the head coach, especially in an organization like the Texans, as we've seen, the 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 GM and the the owner, just the head coach really has no power. If you feel the best option for you is to leave, get the hell out, bro. It's because I mean, I, I think I know he's twenty five. Which is also crazy that a twenty-five-year-old is is done with an organization. You, we've never seen something like this. But man, get out, bro. Do what you got to do. Go to a place that values you, that listens to you, and that will give you the proper help. Instead of trade away all your best pieces, trade away offensive lineman because he had a problem with the owner said. Trade away. Uh, your best and arguably one of the best wide receivers in the league because him and the head coach slash GM just couldn't see eye to eye. Get go to an organization that understands how to how to win and how to be a how to be a it doesn't have to be a winning team but how to how to be a a healthy culture. Let's say that. Let's move on. So the Super Bowl is on Sunday. Uh, I was gonna do a Super Bowl special this week, but now nah, I'll just I'll just clip this up and and put it later. But or clip this up and put it a little close to the Super Bowl. But so we're at the Super Bowl. You have Tom Brady and the Buccaneers going against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. You have Bruce Arians against Andy Reid. You have Rob Gronkowski against Travis Kelsey. You have the plethora. You have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, uh, Antonio Brown going against Nicole Harmon and Tyreek Tyreek Hill. You know, and of course, you you still have Le'Veon Bell. You still have Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And you have Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. This is a star-studded Super Bowl. And it's really it really comes down to which defense is going to be able to stop who. Because as we saw, Tom Tom Brady's humming at the right at the right time. Now, he's not playing mistake-free football, but he's not playing the teams that he's played has not been able to capitalize. You know, he threw a couple of interceptions for, with the Saints. Of course, they didn't win. They threw three interceptions, I think three back-to-back-to-back interceptions against the Packers. They didn't win. Or the Packers didn't win. It's just, and I don't think, I, I think Tom Brady knows this. 
he can't throw multiple interceptions against Patrick Mahomes. Because unlike what the Packers were able to do and unlike what the Saints were able to do, you're not going to, you know, you throw interceptions, they're more than likely they're going to capitalize. So it's really Tom Brady against Patrick Mahomes. It's really a high two high-powered offenses against two high-powered defenses. Now, what are my predictions? I think that we're going to, I you know, I don't I think that this is when you talk about storylines, I think that this is the best game that you could have had. We talk about storylines, of course. You got the old goat, which is Tom Brady. You have the young what people would say is probably the goat to be, which is Patrick Mahomes. You know, this is the storybook. I would have preferred to see maybe Patrick against Aaron Rodgers, but that's not what we're getting. I think that what I've seen is, like I said, Tom Brady has been great. Tom Brady has been surgical. However, Tom Brady has been, has made mistakes in these last two games, which is the Saints and the Packers. He's made mistakes. He's thrown, uh, He's thrown bad interceptions. He's he's thrown some some wild ball. You know what I'm saying? He's he's made some mistakes. The the difference is, of course, the Packers weren't able to capitalize. Or while he's still making mistakes, Drew Brees is also making mistakes. I just think that the Kansas City Chiefs can play a cleaner game than well, let me say cleaner slash mistake less mistakes than the bucks however you do have that vaunted defense and there's a there's a couple of linemen you know i know the center i think is out with a torn acl i think a report came out yesterday saying one of another one of their offensive linemen is out due to COVID, uh or you know COVID and everything and i know a wide receiver i think williams is not going to be there and when you're going against the Bucks, you know, JPP and uh, Muhammad Sanu. Oh, Nadamik and Sue, I'm sorry. It's <laughs> you, you need to be, you need to be 100% with your offensive line. However, I, I, I have the Kansas City Chiefs winning back to back Super Bowls. I have them winning this game because I don't think, you know, I was. The game that really flipped for me, right? I I had Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, okay, <laughs> let me say this. Before the season started, because I know people will go back and look at the clip. Before the season started, I had the Ravens and the Saints going to the Super Bowl. Clearly, that didn't happen. But I did say in the beginning of the, or in the middle of the season, Kansas City Chiefs looks like it's going to be Kansas City Chiefs going. Like, that's, that's what I said. Now, the game that really... showed me that Kansas City Chiefs might be on another level than everybody was the AFC Championship against the Bills. Everyone, including myself, thought that the Bills were at least on the same level as the Chiefs. And while I had the Chiefs winning the game, I thought it was going to be a close, drag them out game. I thought it was going to be a high-scoring game, and I thought that it was going to be back and forth, and maybe the Chiefs won on a on a kickoff or no field goal or something like that. I thought it was going to be a lot closer. But the way that the Chiefs just dismantled and destroyed the Bills really showed me. And the Bills were hot; they were hot all season, and they were hot going into the AFC Championship. 
I was just like, yo, this, this, we're seeing another level. And, and I said last week, we're watching a team that we can't even compare to another NFL team. We have to compare to to get a to get a respectable comparison. You have to compare the Kansas City Chiefs to like Golden State Warriors or to like uh, a Miami Heat with LeBron and and D Wade and Chris Bosh. You can't compare this team to an NFL team, and because it, it wouldn't be it wouldn't do them justice. Now, do I think they're the greatest team ever? No, but I think that they, we've never seen a team like this, especially offensively. And that's that's when I and not to mention I saw the NFC Championship where the the Packers had multiple chances to win this game or win that game. They just didn't capitalize. I have the Kansas City Chiefs beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm not going to say a route because I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm, I, I respect Tom Brady and I respect the Bucks more than that. But I don't think I, I think Kansas City Chiefs have a have. Well, I think they'll score thirty or more points. I that's that's and that's a lot, honestly, in a Super Bowl. But I, I have, I have them winning. 38 to to 28. I have Kansas City Chiefs beating Tom Brady and the Buccaneers 38 to 28. The same score that was the AFC Championship. So, those are my predictions. If I'm wrong, let me know. Of course, we have until Sunday. Let me know in the comments what you're doing. Let me know who which, who you have winning. Just let me, you know, we'll talk about it. We'll if you know, we'll we'll debate. But just let me know. Let me know. Let's let's go on to some NBA. So the All Star voting started last week, and I wanted to have some fun. I wanted to do my All Star team. I wanted to do the East, which of course I understand that the the format has changed. Of course, I'm still gonna have like a team captain, but you know, the team captain is going to be in it. All the team. Okay, well, well, you'll just see. You'll see. But I have some honorable mentions before I give my all-star team. Now, again, before I do this, this is my all-star team. Let me know in the comments what you think yours is going to be or what, what you have. Let me know if there's a player I missed there's a, or there's a player that you feel should be in or there's a player you feel shouldn't be. Again, this is my list. Let's get it. I have a couple honorable mentions. I think I have like five honorable mentions. I have for my first honorable mention. I have Demonis Sabonis. Uh, I would have had him easily in the All Star game if it wasn't for the fact that he missed a lot of time with injury. I that's that that actually hurts a couple players on this list. But you know, I, I he's been playing when he's on the floor. He's been playing most definitely like an All Star. Now, if he makes the All Star team, I wouldn't be upset. But I couldn't put him on my all-star team, seeing as though due to injury, he's missed a lot of games. And that's actually why I could not put Kyrie Irving on my list. Now, I understand when Kyrie plays, he's been incredible. But we all know what happened that, what, week, week and a half. That's kind of hard for me kind of hard for me to put Kyrie in the in the east especially at the guard position where the guard position is pretty tough in the east so I don't have uh Sabonis I don't have Kyrie Irving I don't have Trey Young Trey Young has been playing better of late but especially in the beginning of the season to maybe a week or two ago he has been struggling he's been his his 
shot percentage has been down. His decision-making has been, hasn't been too good. Now, I'm not saying he's fallen off a cliff or anything because he hasn't. But I just it's hard for me to put Trey Young, seeing as though he hasn't shot well at all. Uh, this entire season. Now, again, he's done. He he's been better last maybe week or so, but a week or so does not push you in the All Star, in my opinion. Uh, Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler, same thing with uh, Sabonis. I can't put him in, seeing as though he missed a lot of time due to COVID. Uh, I just it's it's tough. Now I know that the Heat's be- he is the Heat best player, but I, you know I have to have Jimmy Butler can't be in my All Star because of that. Donovan, uh, I have Chris Paul. Chris Paul has been incredible. However, I think that he has, and I think he's unlocked. Now, I'm not saying they're completely there, but I think that he has been a very bright spot for the Phoenix Suns. I just think in the West, especially the guard position, it's tough. I I can't, I can't, nah. Especially what we'll talk about in a second, maybe one of his teammates could be in the All-Star game. And Donovan Mitchell. I think Donovan Mitchell has struggled you know, now, of course, the they're on like a 11 game winning streak and stuff. And of course, that is or no, the Nuggets did just be in the other night. They were on a pretty long run, winning streak and he was playing his best basketball at that point. But before then, you know, his his field goal percentage is down and, you know, he, he's kind of we're starting to see he's kind of like a one trick pony. If he doesn't score, he doesn't really do much. Now, I understand he's still a young player and he's going to develop, but if he's not scoring, he's not really doing much. That's kind of the same with Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray, if you're not scoring, he's not really contributing. In fact, he might be hindering the team. So those are my honorable mentions. Let's go with the East. Now, of course, it's, it's Team Durant. Durant, to me, is at least neck and neck for the MVP race right now with Joel Embiid. And... I think that he has had one of the greatest comebacks from a, a major injury in, that we've ever seen in sports. Now, I'm not saying he has the greatest. Of course, you have Alex Smith up there. You have Dominique Wilkins. But Kevin Durant is playing on the same level. In fact, he's playing at a higher level than the year he won the MB, the regular season MVP with OKC. Kevin Durant has been incredible. So, of course, I have Kevin Durant as a team, as, as the team captain. And for my starters, at point guard, I have James Harden. Now, you're thinking, whoa, James Harden just got to the East. I understand that. And I understand, you know, what happened with Houston. However, I don't know if you remember, even if you, even when he was beefing with Houston and wasn't giving his all, he was still dropping 40-point triple dubs. And he came in and, and was dropping 30-point triple dubs with, with Brooklyn. And... <laughs> He's incredible. Like, I, I can't, I can't, I, I, James Harden is arguably the best, one of the best shooting guards in league history. And even when he's out of shape and not in touch with the team, he's still incredible as hell. So I had to put him as my point guard. Shooting guard, I had Bradley Bill. I understand people's going to say, I mean, the team only won, what, four games? But Bradley Bill was leading the league in, 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 in points. They messed up and didn't put him in. Not only did they not put him in the All-Star game last year, he didn't even make an All-NBA team, even though he led the league in scoring. I'm not doing that. Bradley Bill is arguably one of the best uh, guards in the league, and it would be dumb for me not to put him in in my All-Star game. Uh, Small Ford has to be Kevin Durant. Of course, I mean, the team is Team Kevin Durant. So I have Small Ford, Kevin Durant. 
I have Giannis at the power forward. I mean, two-time MVP. Even though the the Bucks are kind of struggling right now, he's not. He's still one of the best in the league. And and at center, I have Joel Embiid. Uh, like I said, I think it's Durant and Embiid kind of neck and neck at this point for MVP. And Joel Embiid is he's he's. I'm not saying he's the best center. I'm not gonna. I'm not. I can't go as far as say that yet, but. He is definitely in that conversation. And, you know, that's that's my starters for the East. Like I said, James Harden, Bradley Bill, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Joel Embiid. Let's move over to the reserves for the East. Now, this, this, this might cause some controversy, but it is what it is. My first reserve is Zach Levine. Again, I understand the team isn't winning that well or that much, but you have to look at Zach Levine is carrying the Bulls. Now, they're not really winning, but Zach Levine has has been, has been playing like one of the best guards in the league this entire season. I'm not saying he is one of the best guards, but his scoring output has been incredible, and he's done a lot as terms of assist and, and scoring and, you know, trying to bring the team up. Zach Levine has done everything he can to, to make the Bulls relevant, and because of that, I have to put him – I think he, I think he's like 25 or 20 to 25 points he's averaging right now, which is really good. So I have Zach Levine as one of my reserves. Another reserve, I have Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown, to me, is leading right now. Of course, honest, I know it's like maybe a, a more than a little over a month. But, Zach, you know, Jalen Brown, to me, is leading most improved player. And it's really an argument as in, who is the best? No, it's, let me not say that. Jalen Brown has been playing like one of the best players in not only the East but in in entire in the in the league. Now I understand he's not the best player on the team, but you know he's been incredible. So I, you know, Jalen Brown to me has to be on this list. Ben Simmons is one of my uh, is one of my reserves. I think the stat came out yesterday that. They're like 14-1 and one when Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid play together. I'm surprised because I didn't think they could work together, but they, hell, shouts out to Doc Rivers and whatever the hell he did, but he's, he's unlocked. No, I'm not going to say unlock Ben Simmons because he still can't shoot, but they've worked together, so I have to have Ben Simmons in there. Another person that's really flying on the radar is Malcolm Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon has had an incredible year for Indiana. Now, I understand it goes on the radar because not a lot of people watch Indiana games, but he has had an incredible season. He has played one of the most efficient. Again, I understand it's early, but he's played one of the most efficient. He's had one of the most efficient seasons so far in the league. Like Malcolm Brogdon is has pretty much level like he his his all his stats are high and leveled, which is which I have to reward that. So I have Malcolm Brogdon. Bam out of bio. The reason is. The Heat are still afloat because of Bam, seeing as though Jimmy Butler has missed a lot of time due to COVID and, and different things. And Bam has, is still one of the young, one of the young promising players in the league, and he's one of the be- better bigs in the East. So I have to put Bam out of bio. Jason Tatum. Now Jason Tatum almost didn't make my list because of the whole time he's missed, but when he has played. Jason Tatum has been a top five player in the East, in my opinion. Uh, And he is the sole reason why 
a lot of people, he and Jalen Brown, which is why they're both all-stars in my opinion, is the sole reason why a lot of people have them at least making it to the Eastern Conference Finals or a little bit before because they're, Jason Tatum has made that leap. And it's it's been incredible to see. And my last reserve is Gordon Hayward. I mean, no one wants to talk about it because everyone, you know, he's he's Caucasian or, you know, we remember what happened uh, with Boston. But he's played incredible. I think he's over 25, 26 points. And, again, I understand that they're not winning a lot, but he is the best player on – I know, and I know huh, – LaMelo Ball gets a lot of love, but Gordon Hayward has been the best player on the Pelic, I mean on the Hornets, and it's not it hasn't really been close. So my reserves are Zach Levine, Jalen Brown, Ben Simmons, Malcolm Brogdon, Bam Adebayo, Jason Tatum, and Gordon Hayward. And that's Team Durant, which is pretty much the Eastern Conference. Let's move over to the West. We all know it's Team LeBron. I understand Team, you know, LeBron has kind of been coasting, but even with him coasting, he's still been arguably the best player. Uh, you know, he his his throne has not been has not been he hasn't been kicked off the pedestal or anything like that. We know what LeBron's doing. LeBron James is LeBron James. So, and I, and there's really nobody else in the in the West that I could justify saying that they're the best in the West right now. So. It's Team LeBron. At point guard, I have Steph Curry. Uh, I mean, I, again, I understand they're not winning a lot, but you look at Steph Curry's numbers, Steph Curry is still arguably one of the best players in the league. And even without, you know, without Clay, we know about Kevin Durant, and miss and Draymond missing some time, like, there's, I think they're like six, uh, fifth or sixth in the West. Again, I know it's early, but... <laughs> he, I mean, there's not much I can say about Steph Curry, but Steph Curry has been incredible. I know a lot of people don't like him, and a lot of people are going to bash him, whatever, but he has been incredible. Even though the player, you know, the, the talent around him has not been there, Steph Curry has still been Steph Curry. Uh, shooting guard, I have Luka Doncic. I mean, even it kind of goes back to the Steph Curry argument. Uh, I understand Dallas hasn't been good. I think they're on like a four or five game losing streak, but Luca has still been incredible. I mean, Luca has still been one of the top players in the league, even in those losses. So I just didn't see another shooting guard that could, and I, I just really couldn't see another shooting guard that could, uh, could, could take over Luca's spot in the West. Uh, small forward. I know a lot of people don't like him, but for the small forward, I have Paul George. Paul George having a all star se- all star season. I understand that we we saw what happened in the bubble, and especially in the playoffs. Well, almost every time he gets to the playoffs, but we're talking about the regular season all star game and regular season all star team. And right now, uh, Paul George having an incredible year. Like I can't say much about I can't say much bad about Paul George. So, because of that, I have him as a small forward. Power forward, I have LeBron. Like I said, it's his team, and it's LeBron. And for the center, I have Jokic. Jokic, to me, is the best center in the league. And, hell, he just had, what, a career high the other day, like 47. Like, he, he he's a triple, he's a walking triple-double, and he can score at will. And that, he he's, he's arguably one of the most skilled bigs we've ever seen. So... 
I have Jokic as my center. So my starting five or my team, LeBron slash West, is Steph, Luka, Paul George, LeBron James, and Jokic. For my reserves, my first reserve is Damian Lillard. It was really hard for me. I had to. It was hard to choose between Damian Lillard and Steph Curry. The only problem is Damian Lillard kind of went through a stretch where he was struggling a little bit. Now I understand that's also that's also due to the fact that CJ McCollum was out. But you know Damian Lillard is still Damian Lillard, and <laughs> there's not many guards in the West as better than Steph and Dame. So I have to put him in. Kawhi Leonard. I mean the but I think the. Clippers have, like, the best record in the league right now. And Kawhi Leonard is still playing at a high level along with Paul George. So I had to put him in. I have Anthony Davis. Like I said, it, <laughs> those they're, they're kind of locks. You know, there's there hasn't really been. Anthony Davis has kind of struggled from the free throw line and kind of struggled uh, field goal-wise this year. But he's still Anthony Davis. Like, it's, it's Anthony Davis. Um, I actually have Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson. And I have Brandon Ingram. I understand they're not winning, but Zion Williamson has been incredible. I think, like, a, a stat came out. He's shooting, like, 58% in his career so far, which is, like, the highest ever, at like, 500 attempts or something like that. I don't know. You know those stats that ESPN be finding. But Zion has been incredible. You know, he's been <laughs> – he's still one of the strongest players we've seen, and he's still destroying the rim. And Brandon Ingram is continuing to improve year after year. And is you know Brandon Ingram has has they both actually have been incredible even though the Pelicans struggle, they still have they both have been really good. So I have them. I have Christian Wood. A lot of people don't give Houston credit, seeing as though what happened with James Harden, but Christian Wood is having an All Star season in my opinion. Uh, you know he he's I didn't see this coming when he was in actually I didn't see this at all in in Detroit and I just thought it was one of those picks you know I heard a lot of people say oh no Christian Wood is a really good pick up for Houston and I was just like I mean he didn't really do much in Detroit but he has surprised me and he has been incredible and he's had an all-star season in my opinion so Christian Wood and I have Devin Booker it was really hard for me to choose between Devin Booker and Paul or Chris Paul however I think that Devin Booker has been a little better than Chris Paul and I know he's dealt with some some injuries and stuff like that, but you know I, I would choose Devin Booker before I choose Chris Paul to be an All Star. So my reserves for the West or Team LeBron is Damian Lillard, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Anthony Davis, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, Christian Wood, and Devin Booker. So those are my All Stars. That's my All Star team. Of course, they're all susceptible to change. It's only been like a month and a half since the season has started. And let me know what you guys feel. So, and let me know if, if if you have a team that's not my team. So, let's move on. So, the, the one of the biggest stories, that hasn't really been a story, but one of the biggest talking points in the last few weeks is should the Washington trade Bradley Bill? Uh, Bradley Bill has been incredible. Like, he, you know, Bradley Bill is, is arguably, like I said, he's he's arguably one of the best players in the league. Yet and still... The team, which is Washington, sits at four and whatever. Like, they're not good. And, you know, uh, you have teams like the Clippers or like the Lakers or the Heat that have packages ready pretty much for when Washington says, you know what, we're going to cut bait. We're going to get – not cut bait. We're going to we're gonna trade them. 
Here's a couple things that we have to keep in mind. Washington got pummeled by COVID. They, I think, nine straight games got postponed or something like that. I know, you know, Russell Westbrook was out with injury and COVID. Uh, multiple players helped. Bradley Bill was out a game or two because of COVID or contract tracing or whatever like that. This team got destroyed with COVID, one. And again, I also understand, I think they would have a better record than they have now. I don't think they'd be like top of the East, but I think they have a better record if COVID didn't just pimp slap the whole team. Another thing you have to realize is this is a newer team. Like, you know, you have some uh, some new players. And, of course, you have Russell Westbrook. Wow, that's only one player. That is a system in and of itself. Now, I understand Russell Westbrook has to, you know, kind of go along with the Bradley Bill since that's Bradley Bill's team. But, you know, integrating Westbrook, especially seeing as though he's missed multiple time or multiple games, that kind of is tough as well. And, of course, and the biggest reason why I – or biggest thing we have to realize is Bradley Bill knew – Bradley Bill won signed extension, uh, and he knew that it was going to take a while. He knew that this this season wasn't going to be the season of redemption for Washington. We well, He knew that. And he knew, you know, I think – and he even said he wants to know – how the team is going to rebuild. He wants to know how the team is going to fare. He wants to know the change that the team is going to make for the better. Now, I think, and I'll be, <laughs> hey, I'll say it. I think one of the biggest hindrances that Washington has is Scott Brooks. I think he's a good coach, but I think that he is not the best coach for this team. I know that they're going to look at the success that he had with OKC, even though if you really look at it, they went to one championship, and that's with James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Russell Westbrook. But I don't think I don't think Scott Brooks is a good coach for this for this unit, and I think that is one of the biggest detriments of this team. I think Scott Brooks, his schemes are kind of easy to figure out, and he's never been on a team that preaches defense. Hell, even if you look back at the – champion or the team in OKC that went to the championship while they were young they still didn't really they they still didn't play really any defense at all so I I just think Scott Brooks is not the coach for this team now should the, the question was should Washington trade Bradley Bill this depends it depends if that is your goal if your goal is to trade Bradley Bill this is the best time to trade him you have teams that want him. His value is at an all-time high, seeing as though he's one of the best shooting guards in the league, and he's playing like one of the best players in general in the league. This is the highest point he's going to get. If you continue to keep him, his value is just going to go down. He's going to get older, and the team's going to lose more, so the losing is kind of is going to kind of be draped on him, and and you're, the, the, the teams are going to start looking at the losing instead of the incredible scoring outputs he's, playing, he's, he's putting out. If you're going to trade him, and if that is your goal, keep him, no, trade him, trade him now, because this is the bet. This is the highest his value is going to be. However, if you don't want to trade him, or if your goal is not to trade him, don't trade him. See how he works with Russell Westbrook. You know, a whole season, maybe two seasons, seeing as though you pretty much have him on contract for the next two and a half years. You know, see how it how it works out. Try to, to me, bring another coach, 
uh, bringing a, a, a coach that has won in the league or that that is has a has a good resume and 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 see where it goes. It's really what Washington wants to do. If Washington has in the back of their mind, we should trade him at some point. This is the best time, seeing as though his value is higher than ever. But if they really are what they're saying and like if they really believe what they're saying, which is we're not going to trade him for anything, then don't trade him. Like, but if you're not going to trade him, get talent around him because he has there. There's some solid pieces, uh, but get more talent around him. And to me, get a coaching staff that can really focus on defense because that's the West. The Wizards can score with the best of them. They just can't defend a stick like they can't defend a parked car. And and once you do that, I, I think. And if you do that, and if if Bradley Bill is really part of your future, and you want him to be part of your future, you have to start now to build the team around him. Just don't build it. Just don't say it's Bradley Bill's team, and then you just plug in pieces and have a coach who only preaches offense and not defense. Like, get a coach, a well-rounded coach. You know what I mean? So that's that. Let's move on. Is you know <laughs> the WNBA. I think, you know, I said last week that free agency started and did it start? <laughs> I think this is the most movement we've ever seen in the WNBA. I mean, I'm not going to say all the moves, but Candace Parker signs with the Chicago Sky going back to her hometown after 13 seasons with the Sparks. Uh, Kayla McBride, who was a three-time All-Star, she signs with the Minnesota Lynx. She was with the Aces. Uh Chelsea Gray, that was with the Sparks, she's with the Aces now. Uh, Shanae Parker is with Atlanta Dream. Ariel Powers, shout out to Ariel Powers, she was in Washington. She now is with the Lynx. Alisa Clark, uh, she's with Washington. She was with Seattle. And I, I don't know who the hell is with Indiana. Indiana Fever, they ain't got nobody at this point. Uh, it's, this, I think this is the most movement we've ever seen from the WNBA. And, of course, I'm not saying, you know, I think this is the most ever. And I said going, I said last week that due to COVID and due to the league, and or, you know, league changing the salary cap and salary floor, like, you're going to see a lot of movement. Now, and there's a lot of players, like, I didn't think, like, okay, you look at Sue Bird. Sue Bird is staying with the Storm. She she's in she's embedded in the team. Diana Taurasi, she she's rooted in the team. I thought Candace Parker was going to be the same way. I thought, you know, she, you spend your entire career, which is 13 years in the with the team. But we kind of saw last year, especially how it ended with, you know, fourth quarter. They didn't even bring her back in. And of course, her and Derek Fisher kind of I don't know what that relationship was like. I'm not really surprised she left. But, you know, it is kind of shocking. It was like, damn, I mean, you were with the, the the Sparks for 13 years. But, like I said, you're seeing a lot of movement. Again, I don't know who the hell's – I don't know what's wrong with Indiana, but everyone in their mama's leaving Indiana. I don't see too many people going there. So, but, yeah, man, shouts out to the WNBA, man. It's been This has been an exciting – and it's, it's early, too, but this has been an exciting, you know, free agency. This I, I don't think we've seen – movement like this ever <laughs> like honestly man so again and this is this isn't even all of them go to wnba.com or go to espn and see all the moves but 
these are just some of the biggest names that were moved. Like I said, Ariel Powers, who was a top or you know top free agent, uh, Candace Parker, Kayla McBride, uh, Shanae uh, Parker, Alisa Clark. You know, it. There's a lot of them, and again, I don't think we've ever seen this much movement ever in the WNBA, especially out the gate. Like as soon as it started, and within the first week, you're hearing about Candace Parker and. Chelsea Gray, like it's 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 crazy, and and shouts uh, shouts out to Minnesota, shouts out to the Aces, those both of those teams are loaded, like loaded, and I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not doing my predictions yet, but keep your eye on the Vegas Aces and keep your eye on the Minnesota Lynx, cause you get Kayla McBride and Ariel Powers, just I'm just saying with the with the team that you already have, just just saying, just saying. Shouts out to the WNBA for 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 having probably one of the most exciting free agency kickoffs ever. So um and before we go, we talked about David Cully. And if you really look, you know, you have David Cully, you have Eric Bienemy, Mike Tomlin, uh, you can go with NBA, you got Doc Rivers, um, Paul Silas. Not Paul Silas, uh, Ty Lu. Um, it's it's tough for African Americans to get a job as a coach. We we talked about the struggles of a head coach, but it's tough. You know, you can look back in history. You got uh, you know, you played to win the game. You got you got uh, Mike Dun- uh, Dungy. You, there's a lot of them, but it's tough being a or trying to be a head coach or trying to be a coach general as an African-American, especially in a league dominated by African-Americans as far as players or in leagues dominated by African-Americans as far as players, but not dominated by African-Americans as far as higher ups, GMs and owners. But if you talk to almost every, uh, every head coach, um, one person that they owe a lot of them uh, would say was their inspiration was John Cheney, who was a legendary Temples coach who passed away. I think he was eighty six when he passed. I think, and this was last week. Um, rest in peace to John Cheney. Uh, again, when we when we talked about when we talk about um, head coaching, and we talk about just being bl- being black in sports, uh, you know, not a lot of people can. You can't really go too far in in saying you know the head coaching trees or whatever, and not talk about John Cheney. John Cheney was, uh, again, one of the greatest coaches ever. And he, he leads a legacy, not just, not just in, in, in college football. I mean, not just in college basketball, but in coaching in general. And, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. 
So rest in peace to John Chaney, the legendary Temples coach. And honestly, not just legendary Temples coach, one of the greatest coaches ever and one of the most influential coaches ever, especially when we talk about African-Americans. And also, rest in peace to Sekou Smith, who was an NBA reporter. Uh, he died due to COVID over the weekend, and he is an inspiration, kind of like Cheney, to a lot of African-American NBA reporters. And a lot of, you know, you hear, which is beautiful, which when somebody passes, you hear really nothing but positivity, like how how he's touched, how people have touched so many, or how this person has touched so many lives positively. I haven't heard one bad thing about Sekou Smith. You know what I mean? And you know, watching you know watching uh, him for a long time on NBA TV, and you know he he has columns on NBA dot com and stuff like that. He was definitely an inspiration. So rest in peace to, again, Sean Chaney and rest in peace to Sekou Smith. So, and there you have it. I appreciate you guys for listening. I appreciate you guys for watching. Please subscribe again. It, it would definitely mean a lot to me. If you're, if you're listening to this, come to the YouTube, uh, please subscribe again. It would definitely mean a lot. And of course you get to see the visuals. You get to see how much work I put in, uh, and I definitely want—I guess y'all—I definitely want y'all to get a better, you know, the full experience. So I appreciate y'all. I love you guys. Oh, go to the Unpopular Podcast Store. The link is in the description. Go get your hoodies. Go get your shirts. I have some pretty cool designs, in my opinion. Uh, definitely growing the podcast a lot more, and with growth, I definitely have merchandise. So go check that out. If you like some, go get it. And please subscribe again. And until next time, much love. Jaded baby, wipe your eyes. Don't let him see that he got the best of you. Girl, I take the rest of you. Look, I got a question for you. Is it worth it? Real love, do you think you deserve it? Cut him off, go and find your purpose and get you a nigga that's solid. Personally, I'll do more than support your dreams, baby. Get you a me. It's time to boss up. Fix your credit, girl, get at it, get your bag up Hit that gym and get back fine Go get that degree, go girl, focus on me Unlock potential that you didn't know you had in you Fuck that nigga, ayy Oh yeah, it's time to mix it up and get your glow, girl I know that you gon' get it, you got so Drama. If it ain't about the money bounce, you know.
know you the shit, I don't even gotta say ay. I know you gon' win, shawty, you just gotta play ay. Girl, I'm gon' let you know you got it Every chance that I get, don't you doubt it No, I'm not perfect, but I promise I'm worth it Girl, you know you deserve it, stop playing It's time to boss up Fix your credit, girl, get at it, get your bag up that gym and get back fine go get that degree go girl focus on me unlock potential that you didn't know you had in you fuck that nigga hey. oh yeah it's time to mix it up and get your glow Get your glow, girl. I know that you gon' get it. You got.